it. Welcome to Strata Stories. My name is Thomas Schreiber. I'm the Director of Marketing here at Strata. Strata is a single EMR platform and revenue cycle management service for physical, occupational, and speech therapy practices that helps you achieve a 99.99% reimbursement rate. On today's episode, Paul Singh, the CEO of Strata, talks with Jerry Durham, a PT and the CEO of the Client Experience Company. Jerry helps practices craft incredible patient experiences that helps grow your practice's revenue. Paul and Jerry talk through finding your target demographic, how to build an amazing patient experience, and Jerry's favorite books, All Clinic Owners Must Read. If you'd like to learn more about Strata, head over to stratapt.com or email us at hello at stratapt.com. Now, without further delay, here's today's episode. Let's just say I want to start a practice. Bad idea, by the way, but let's just say I wanted to do it. And you give me 15 minutes of your time. 15 minutes is all I'm going to get. And I come down there and I sit with you for coffee and I'm like, okay, man, like I'm going to go get credentialed. Uh, I got this, you know, space from Uncle Jimmy, whatever it is. You're going to basically bark at me across the table and say, that's the easy stuff. Your little checklists or whatever. When it comes to this customer experience, you know, that's, that's something you've harped on a lot. I genuinely agree with you, but like getting into the tactics of it, what do you tell me to think about? before I really dive into this. Again, aside from the credentialing and the office space and the business cards and all that stuff, you've got a hard stop in 15 minutes. So what do you tell me to do? And then you say, Paul, go do your homework and call me back. What's my homework really supposed to be as I start up a practice? First thing I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to say this out loud, is everybody may know or not know, we debriefed before this call and I brought some of this stuff up. I'm going to default back to the experts on this of what it took me nine years to figure out after I started my own practice, which is who are you going to serve? It's a comma. Who are you going to serve, Paul? And how are you going to be different? I'm literally, that's the first thing I want in your head. And boy, I'm going to tell you right now, most people will freeze. And so you go, okay, I wrote that down, Jerry. Uh, Is there anything else? I'll go, yeah. Once you figure out who you're going to serve, and then going into how you be different should flow into the next thing I'm going to ask you is, what is the journey going to look like in your business for this person? And you're going to go, um, okay, and I'm going to go, and then let me finish it with this, because you can't build out a business, the systems, the processes, the things you're going to do to deliver what you need to deliver without understanding their journey first. So I'm going to tell you to go away and do those three things, Paul. That's good. Now, chances are that I don't know. Chances are, I don't know where to Google. I don't know who to talk to. And even the other clinicians that I know don't know this. So you said something on one of our previous calls where you said, you know, what everyone thinks customer experiences in PT is not actually what it should be. So let's say now I come back to you and you're gracious enough to give me another 15 minutes. And I say, hey, I did my homework. Chances are you're going to sit there and look at me like an idiot and say, that's all wrong. Okay, so when you say, for example, who am I going to serve? How specific, what should that answer look like? And then also like, what should that journey look like? Like, what should the answers to that look like for you to sit there and say, all right, Paul's doing his homework. He's not playing entrepreneur. He's serious about growing this business or starting this business. So everybody says, right, find your niche. And then everybody was told like the niche was the bottom of the funnel, right? This thin part. And you think about that, um, Blair Eanes was the first one who introduced me to like the spear tip mindset, right? when you keep going down. And so 
What's awesome about healthcare in a niche is low back pain can be a niche. 81% of the population suffers from low back pain. So you'd say, Jerry, I'm going to help everybody with low back pain. I'm going to go, no, you're not. Who with low back pain are you going to help? And you're going to go, let me just, I'm going to jump ahead because we'd probably go back and forth a little bit. I go, who? Who in the population with low back pain are you going to serve? Someone might say cyclists. And I'm like, bingo, now we're getting somewhere, right? That's going to niche you down. Someone's going to say CrossFit. I'm going to go, okay, that's, you still may want to go down from there. Someone else may say women during pregnancy, women postpartum, women, you know, uh, whatever. And I'd go, okay, now we're, see, this is the stuff I like. I'm like, that's a niche, right? Yes, it's half of our population, but it's still a niche. So that's where I'm going to go with that. So, right, oh, I'm going to help everybody with a stroke. I'm like, no, you're not. You know, and by the way, this is the time to preface this and say, Paul, you forgot the most important thing to you that you're going to tell me you're most excited about. You're going to sit down with me and go, I'm going to create a cash practice. I'm going to create an out-of-network practice. I'm going to create an in-network practice. I'm going to create a hybrid practice. I'm going to create a practice that's going to barter for chickens. And you think you have all the answers. And I need people to understand. I need to say this out loud because this ain't going to come up in this fucking conversation. It's not going to come. Who do you want to serve? I want to serve women. Yeah, I want to help postpartum women who have low back pain get back to the life they need and want. I'm like, oh, we're smoking now. You're right. I'm getting excited for it. So we're going to say that. I'm not going to ask you how much are they going to pay? Are they on Medicaid? Are they? I'm not going to ask any of this because it doesn't matter at this point. And this is the takeaway I need people to hear is notice what we're not saying. And then I'm going to say back to your point about customer experience, I'm going to go, cool, right? So this journey we have to think of, there are two journeys to think of here. And the most important to start with is the journey in your business. So how are people going to find you? Are they going to call you? Are they going to have to walk in? Are they going to, is it going to be doctor referrals? Now I'm getting into this journey within your business, right? That was that second thing. What is their journey going to look like within your practice, right? Where are they going to come from? How are they going to get a hold of you, right? Now we're getting into the good stuff because now this is going to cause you to go, is it going to be mobile? Is it going to be brick and mortar? Am I going to do online, right? So what's that journey? I guess we could substitute that with, the problem is if I say, how are you going to serve them? People start thinking treatments and services. This is the other thing I'm not going to talk about. Right? How are you going to serve them in a question of mobile, telehealth, brick and mortar, right? And we got to talk that out. And then this patient experience, here comes the client experience. Then and only then, so the journey, the journey is really not manipulated by us. Most of the journey we can't mess with, right? People are going to find us, they're going to move through this. We can't impact a lot of that. What we can impact, and I believe we're The problem comes in, we create the experience within that journey. We do that with our systems and processes. That's client experience. That's patient experience. So until you know who you're serving, their journey, the how you're going to serve them, you can't create this experience that, oh yeah, I'm working on my client experience. Oh, what are you doing? You know, and they give me an answer and I'm like, Wow, that is such a small part of it. How's it connect to the rest? So it's this connectedness of the systems and processes within your client's journey that creates the experience you want to reproduce over and over and over. And part of that can be treatments and services. I'll throw that in there now. And so that is what we need to think about 
That's what we need to look at when we're talking about, I'm going to start a practice. You know, it's interesting just listening to you talk about this. This checks out, you know, it sort of matches what we talk a lot about in the tech world, right? So, Oh, interesting. Yeah, this is good. What we typically say is if you serve everyone or if you think you serve everyone, you actually serve no one. And people don't quite understand that. And when I listen to you talk about it, you know, it, it sort of checks out because the example that I give when I'm investing in somebody's company, for example, is, is like, well, to your point, like if you're not niched down into pregnant moms with back pain versus bodybuilders and that CrossFit, like what's the ad going to look like? And if you're not in a direct access state, which providers do you need to go get refer or build relationships with for the referral? It really does map. I mean, it really confirms the fact that the business of opening a practice or running a practice is very similar than to every other business. So it's kind of like Dunkin' Donuts, right? Bad example, but it's just the one that comes to mind. Like, No, I love Dunkin'. That's a great example. And I like it. Yeah. Dunkin' serves a certain demographic. You are correct. And I drive by Starbucks to go to Dunkin's, right? This is the whole point, right? That's right. And the opposite is true too. People that associate are in the ideal customer profile of Starbucks probably drive by Dunkin' as well. I think this sort of answers where I was going to go with the question, but let me just throw it out there and see if you agree. When we talk about that customer experience, the answer to what a good customer experience looks like is really influenced by what that niche audience is. So if you're going after 87-year-old grandmas that have shoulder pain, they're not going to be on TikTok. They don't care about, I'm stereotyping, they don't care about text message alerts. They're probably going to need a phone call. Sorry, grandma, but you know, <laughs> is that what you mean by customer experience? Yeah, let's go just a little deeper on that because I really want people to get this. They also may need transportation, right? So as you're building out this model, Paul, right, this is really where it comes in. What is the journey going to look like? Well, they're going to come into the office and I'm going to go, if you tell me you want to serve 87-year-old right grandmothers with shoulder pain, I'm going to go, how are they going to get there, right? This becomes part of that journey that we can build the systems in to create an experience that will differentiate you. But it's only at that point that you start to question each of these steps. I'm smiling because um, <laughs> I've been going to this one Korean guy for haircuts. Clearly not today, but anyway, I go to this one Korean guy for haircuts. Uh, for your... Dude. Yeah, yeah, you're, you've got a good guy, it looks like. Uh, <laughs> but but I've been going to this one guy. And anyway, you know, three doors down from his little shop is a little dance studio. And I've always wondered, you know, I've got four kids now and, and all that. But when I was growing up, I'm like, why do these dance studios here in Virginia have like Hummer limos and stuff? Like what in the world is the business model there? And sure enough, the guy that owns that place comes to the barbershop that I go to and we got to talking and he's like, look, man, the mom or the dad pays the bill, but the kid wants to feel like a million bucks. And so a dance studio is a dance studio to a kid, but mine has a Hummer limo that picks you up and has dragons on the side. I'm like, that is genius. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what practice owners should do is buy limos or something. I don't know, <laughs> but it makes sense. So yeah, that's because he understands his client, right? He knows who he's serving. By the way, this is interesting too. I worked with a pediatric clinic. They brought me in because they were having, again, arrival issues. Their drop-offs, their cancels, their no-shows were high. So I sit down, talk with the owner. We talk about the work that needs to be done. I sit down with his front desk and I said, do you guys realize you're working with two customers? And they were like, what? I went, you're selling to the parents. The deliverables are the kids. Most of it deliver. We could argue it's the parents. But I'm like, this pitch is the parents. Because 
by the way, I love working with Pete's clinics because I'm like, I love selling to parents when their kids are involved for better or for worse. I mean, that's where the big money is. Yeah. So again, understanding your client, right? And so yet they're looking for an experience. What he's going to give to the kids is what the parents are, right? The kids are going to go, mom, mom, dad, dad, I need this, right? You know, and he knows who's paying for it. Yeah, a perfect example. I think that's a perfect example, Paul. So what should this look like? So, you know, like, I know this may be a weird question to ask, but so I'm connecting the dots here, you know, I'm listening to this thing and I'm like, okay, yeah, I got to think more than about the credentialing and office space. So give me like a, I'm just putting a 15 minute constraint on it. Like we're sitting over coffee and I don't want to piss you off. So it's like, obviously there's a line in the sand where you don't want to overthink everything. You know, you're just starting out. But when you think about it in your mind, are there like three or five or N number of processes that we really got to think about beforehand. So what are those things? Like you're like, Paul? That's a great question. It really is. So I break it down to this. So, okay, we know who we're going to serve. So I look at it like this way. There are, I'm going to say now four parts. I really, I've been working off of three parts for most of my career, but there are four parts that you need to break it down into. You need to break it down into the marketing, right? But I tell you what, I would jump ahead. I have found, and the marketing people might disagree with me. I'm a sales and retention guy, so let's just own this. But I think before you worry about the marketing, I think you got to look at it in it as a pre-arrival process, an arrival first visit process. You have to look at it as a course of care process. And then you have to look at it as a post course of care process. So I'm going to tell you, Paul, again, we're in our 15 minute window. Okay, Paul, this is what I want you to do next. Great job on identifying that ideal client, those postpartum moms with back pain who want to get back to the things they need and want to do. Now, we're going to think about that journey in this practice you're creating, Paul, and we're going to break it down in this order. You must. Here's the big caveat, and here's where the money is going to be made because you're not going to make all my mistakes. You must think about it in this order because the thing you do in the step before is going to impact the next step. This is where you really start to understand why cost didn't fucking matter until we got here. Because I'm like, if I understand the journey they're on and the systems and processes I'm going to create, then I create the work. The bulk of the work in my world is pre-arrival. So this is why I said, I'm not getting caught up. I just, I'm going to say this out loud. I'm a physical therapist of 30 years. I'm not going to get, everybody goes straight. What do they do next, Paul? Paul, if I don't, lead Paul, if I don't guide Paul, he's going to tell me, okay, let's talk about all the treatments and services. That's what's going to differentiate me. And I'm going to go, good luck. I'll open a clinic next door to you and be more successful because I'm going to manage it from pre-arrival first and set up whatever treatments and services we're doing because the differentiator ain't going to be the treatments and services. It's going to be the experience of moving people through that journey, which will include your treatments and services. So talk about that pre-arrival. Let's just kind of keep going down this rabbit hole. So yeah, you set up your shop right next to mine now to make a point. I'm focused on the on the delivery of care and you're focused on pre-arrival. What's the difference? No, you're not focused even on the delivery of care. You're going to talk about like treatments and services. Because no matter what, we do one-on-one care. I'm like, have you ever Googled one-on-one care in your area? I mean, everybody claims to do it, right? So maybe delivery, but it's going to be treatments and services. No. 
I'm going to run, so let's get back. And this is where now we talk about the overlay of marketing sales retention, because I'm going to run ads that talk about the experience you're going to have here. We listen, right? We're here to serve moms in our community that want to be able to spend quality time, right, with their newborns and their kids, right? And so let's just say newborns and the rest of their family. And you're like, no big deal. You know, because what most of the clinics are going to do are tell you about, you know, we're this certified, we have these, we have a red laser, we do this, we're all, you know, it's, it's about deadlifts and, and everything else. And I'm going to go, we're just here to listen to you and make sure we're the right fit for you. And when you call the clinic, you're going to get that experience and I'm going to make it all about you. When you call the other clinic, you're going to get, yeah, how can I help you? Yeah, we help people with back pain. Yeah, what insurance do you have? And I'm like, Ooh, sweet, this is going to be easy. I'm going to set up next door. I'm not even going to set up across the street because I don't want to have people have to cross the street to get to me. I want them to be able to walk in next door. And so we're going to create an experience. By the way, you and I, Paul, let's say you're the guy next door. You and I are delivering the same treatments and services. You realize that. Yeah. So that's the non-dirty secret my friends, right? But I'm going to create, I reverse engineer success. So let me go back to that other thing you said. Pre-arrival, first visit arrival, course of care, post-course of care. I'm going all the way to the end and going, what does success look like? So this is what I love about that ecosystem of the business is, okay, this is success. What had to happen the step before they were done? What had to happen the step before? And I'm going to move it all the way up to the pre-arrival process. So the first phone conversation is going to make sure we understand the problem to be solved, not a diagnosis. What's important to you, right? And then we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to talk about the experts we have here. By the way, this is all in the research. I got this out of the medical research. There's no secrets here, people. I tell everybody every day, I didn't create anything new. I just brought everything everybody else was doing successful, McDonald's, In-N-Out Burger, Dunkin' Donuts, and Starbucks. And I just brought it here. But I'm going to make this all about you and make sure you understand that you're going to be served. This is that thing about knowing your niche. I might mention, Paul, how we have daycare on site. Oh, if I'm going to serve new moms, you think, right? We talked about the 87-year-old may need transport. And I mentioned the client calls me and then calls you. Oh, Jerry, you sound expensive. Oh, God, right? Oh, we had to talk cost. Oh, my God. And they call you and you're in network. And you were in network. But all you did was schedule them for a diagnosis, didn't ask them about daycare, nothing, didn't make it about them. And I'm like, not only did I make it about you, but I mentioned, you know, Paul, you mentioned, right? You're about two weeks out or your wife, let's say your wife, sorry, your wife's two weeks out. I'm like, if she's going to be committing to coming here, she may need some help. You know, we have assistance here. She can bring the baby. She can bring the kids. You tell me how, right? I'm selling value. You apply whatever price you want to this, my friends. So, yes. Yeah, so again, this is me reverse engineering success. Am I going to have the same conversation? By the way, let's do this, Paul. I may have the same exact treatments and systems for the 87-year-old shoulder patient, but it ain't going to be the same conversation. It ain't going to be the same deliverables upstream, right? I'm reverse engineering success. I just can't help but notice the parallels between this owning and running a practice and every other business out there. Here's a just a bad example just to make the point for people listening. It's like, there's a reason why, like, Apple versus Samsung, or Apple versus Dell, or Nike versus Adidas. At a certain point, everything's a commodity, right? Like, let's just use Nike and Adidas. Like, a shoe's a shoe. 
I go into Nordstrom or Foot Locker or whatever, there's a $90 shoe and a $92 shoe. Like at a certain point, the price isn't it. It's really about what fits my needs, which one I associate with more, what helps me better, you know, that sort of thing. And you're saying the same thing here. So let's just keep going with this role play. So I'm sitting there at the coffee table. I'm like, oh man, yeah. Oh God, I only got 10 minutes left with, with Jerry. And I say, but Jerry, like, I know we're not supposed to talk about cost yet, but I don't know how to do this stuff. I don't know how to like, like, what do I need to do here? Let's say I do want to, you know, create that experience. Do I get to hire a marketing firm? Do I, what should I do next? How do I go from where you sold me? I want to be practice owner, Paul, you sold me. What do I got to do next? I know we're not supposed to talk about cost yet, but at some point, like, how do I get into it? Well, so yeah, let's do this. So now I would say, Paul, this is time to talk about cost. We've identified who we're going to serve. We've talked about their journey. I've laid out the pre-arrival. You told me about the arrival, the experience you want them to have and the evaluation. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm not the clinical guy. You're going to determine the clinical. We talked about a course of care and we talked about programs you want to develop after. Thanks, Paul. Great work. We also talked about, I gave you examples of the experience and the systems and processes we want to create in that 10 minutes. Here's what I want you to do next, Paul. And this is what I want you to understand. Physical therapy is a capacity management issue. We're going to break down your finances. Physical therapy is a capacity management business. So I created a financial sheet that is the easiest financial sheet because I created it. I hate math. I'm not a math guy. So I came up with a sheet and it is still a resemblance of what I created over 20 years ago when I created my own business on my own in my 660 square foot office. And I remember having my only expenses were my rent, my computer, right? Some hard things so I could wipe them out pretty quick. But I created an Excel spreadsheet. I put, are you sitting, Paul? Because I know it's going to blow your mind. The world you come from. I put all my expenses on one line. I'm going to make numbers up, by the way, just to make the math easy. I came up with $1,000 a month in expenses. So then I said, hmm, how much am I going to be reaping per visit? And I'm going to make numbers up, $100 per visit. So I did the math. I need to see 10 visits a month to pay my bills. How many visits a month do I want to create on this calendar? And that is capacity management, right? And by the way, I've done this with people with 20 clinics. I've done it with people with no clinics. This is a tool that will take you down the path to determine the price you want to charge. Now, you and I both know if we're going in the in-network world, and this is where we got to own this stuff, people, if you're in the in-network world, you have limited your ability to raise your price. So what you're going to plug in on the revenue line is whatever the hell your average take is per month, right? And it's just an average payment per visit, right? And we're going to plug your capacity in, we're going to plug your expenses in, and we're going to plug it all in and just see where the cards fall. Because the key here is to figure out what I just gave you guys, the break-even point. And this is what nobody knows. So I tell people you don't accrue profit yearly, you accrue it monthly. And on the first of every month in my world, and I, you know, it all ends up in the same place how we get there. But I don't think the math is skewed on this. At the beginning of the month, I'm in the red, regardless of how much money I made the next month, because I got to pay $1,000 during this month. So I must recoup that $1,000. And then anything I recoup, or sorry, make above that is my profit. So I track these numbers monthly. Yes, we're going to have a running number and I get it all. 
but you got to reset that. So that's what I'm going to tell you, Paul. That's how we're going to determine your price. That's how we're going to determine what people are paying. Because why? You're going to put your salary in there. You're going to put the profit margin you want in there. You're going to put your fancy equipment in there. You're going to put your marketing in there. You're going to put your team salaries. And we're going to use a capacity management tool to manage this and determine. I was talking to Thomas about this before you came on, right? Oh, I'm going to raise my prices based on what? Oh, everybody in my neighborhood is charging more. And I'm like, oh, what a way to run a business. Really? Well, and then it was, I want to give a bonus to my team. I'm like, how do you come up with a bonus number if you don't know this capacity management? I'm like, man, you were playing Russian roulette with a lot of fucking bullets in that gun, man. And that, right? Business is risk mitigation, right? How do I lower the risk? I track this stuff, right? By the way, I also know in advance if I'm not going to hit my numbers, that's risk mitigation. At least now I can, right? Oh my God, right? I'm not going to hit my numbers. Okay, what are we going to do? Well, we have money left over, right? We've done this. But again, you don't want to know at the end of the month, you don't have the numbers, uh, the money. Yeah, so- that's the last step to me, Paul. That's it. That's it. We just did it. We're done. And I know I went over on that, but we're 14 minutes in and I'm like, Godspeed, Paul. I'll be here when you need me. I can't say this enough. It checks with everything we say in the tech world. I come in at a very similar way where, you know, I say like, look, let's, let's work backwards. What's a perfect Tuesday look like? You know, well, I want to work eight to five and uh, okay, well, what's your team look like? Oh, well, you know, in my head, but, uh, and then we just start writing it down. Okay. That perfect Tuesday is going to cost you this much, you know, because I think that's the mistake. And tell me if you disagree with this statement. I don't. <laughs> okay. Like, I think the thing is like, I know this is maybe going to sound like a not part of this topic, but I really do think it is. I think we've glorified entrepreneurship in this country. Oh, insane, dude. By the way, I stopped calling myself. I used to say, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I won't even call it that anymore. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Same. It's like entrepreneur really is just uh, what you put on LinkedIn when you're unemployed. <laughs> you know, I think that it's one of those things where you nailed it right there when you said that like it's about managing risk. The best business people I've ever met or invested in are actually risk averse. They're not risk takers. They're risk averse. Everything is a function or a model on a spreadsheet somewhere. Would that not be Warren Buffett, right? Warren Buffett, I mean, one of the most risk averse person you could ever hear also one of the richest men on the face of the earth. That's exactly right. It really is about risk management. And I think that uh, I'm just glad to hear you talk about this because I don't think enough people are talking about this in any industry and perhaps healthcare PT the most right now. I want to go in the weeds and I'm going to come right back out because we love going in the weeds. So I don't want to spend too much time in it. I was talking to someone recently, you know, I want to raise my prices. Why? Because everybody else has. I said, okay, do this for me. Don't raise your prices on your current clients. Well, that's crazy. Why not? I'm like, I don't want to risk you losing them, right? It was a risk statement. Oh, no, they had no problem last time I did. And I'm like, you're just flipping a coin, aren't you? By the way, you're flipping a coin and you're not even looking at what it lands on, right? I'm like, no. So what I said was, look, my world, my opinion, my belief is the risk is too high. These are the most valuable people on the face of the earth to you today, right? I'm like, you're thinking about the next person who hasn't even called you yet. I'm talking about people that are spending a boat, right? Have spent their time, money, and energy with you. It's really interesting when you talk to people about raising their price. Well, I have to do it on the current people. I'm like, well, I thought you were going to raise your price for a few. I'm like, it doesn't add up for me. I'm like, you can do it. And people have been successful, but I'm not that risky, man, right? Total risk. 
let's just use this proverbial coffee meeting. We're at the end of our 15 minutes. You got 30 seconds left before you got a jet. And uh, let's say you pull out a pen, you pull out a little napkin from the coffee shop there and you say, Paul, based on what I've seen in my life, you know, and then the companies I, or the practices I work with, bottom line, Paul, your model. So now we've talked about, you know, the pre-arrival, post-arrival, all that stuff. Paul, when you now work into the numbers on this, because now you've convinced me that, that this is just a spreadsheet, which it is. I'm going to tell you, Paul, your margin is up to you. This is why, by the way, Paul, I say this, a lot of the practice owners I work with, they give up. I'm going to say this in a way, no matter how I say this, I'm going to piss a lot of people off. They give up way too much to the people who have come to them for the opportunity to work with them, aka their employees. I'm all for happy employees. I am all for taking care of great people. But if you understand everything we just went through and the culture you want to create, you can treat people so, so well. It's the people who don't understand everything we just showed up that want to give everything because they don't know of any other way to keep those people attached to them, Paul. So you're taking the risk. You're doing the work. You're doing the work that very few people, I said, you determine the margin you want and you reverse engineer it and I will help you achieve it. Okay, fair, yeah. By the way, and I've seen it all, Paul, I have handed that capacity management sheet to people in business for 10 plus years. And I look at the break-even number and I'm like, that number is lower than what you're currently doing. Remember, that break-even number is revenue. Here, here's the tough math I do, people. By the way, I guarantee you, Paul has a fancy fucking calculator. That's my calculator. That's it. No HP, no the old plastic brawn, right? Revenue minus expenses. And I divide that and come up with that break-even number. Paul, I've sat down with people 10 years in. We run that number. I'm like, um, that break-even number is five visits below. So you're losing five times whatever there. You're losing $500 a month. How do you do this? Oh, you know, about every two months I skip a paycheck. I'm like, ka-ching, right? And so how sad is that? And they've been doing this for years. I mean, that's tragic. It really is. And I'm like, and by the way, depending on how feisty I am, I'm like, you're no longer allowed to call this a business. It is, again, a practice. You're still practicing, bro. Yeah. Well, it's a hobby at that point. Yeah, so this is why I say this, Paul. If you do this early enough, I'm like, dude, the world is yours. That's why you're taking the risk, man. You are taking the risk, right? So you get to choose. You get to choose how much you want on that bottom line. By the way, I make all my clients put their salary and their, their take home above the line. I'm like, the business is building this for you first. And I think that might be that profit first mentality. I'm like, I, I get it, and but this isn't difficult stuff. And the reason that's so popular is it's because just, it's just telling people to do what everybody should, which is you are the risk taker. Put your salary, put your business take, put what you want out of the business above the line, and the business is going to create that for you before it even breaks even. So again, you decide what margin you want, Paul. Just to answer your question. You decide. That's the way it should be, I think. And I think, you know, the number one mistake I see people make is they don't do that model or even a lightweight model of it. And then the second most common mistake I see is that if they do that model at all, they didn't actually put their salary in above the line. Yeah, so that's what happens first pass a lot. I'm like, only thing I look for. So people, I, I told someone I was going to hand them this sheet recently, and they went into total 
fucking cover their ass mode on expenses. I said, whoa, slow down. I said, I don't care about your expenses. I said, I'm beyond that. Every problem in my world is solved by more revenue. I said, all I'm going to do is look at what you're spending. Well, I'm running this through the business. I go, good for you. Put everything, just promise me. I said, I want every dime flowing through this company above there because we're going to cover it for you. And then you open it up. I'm like, where's your salary? Yeah. And then connecting the dots all the way on the other side of the life cycle. If they don't do this from the beginning, it's playing roulette. But then on the other side of the life cycle, when it's time to sell, you can't just like fake profitability. Oh, yeah. We'll do three more episodes on that. Yeah. So you're you're getting up from the coffee table now. You're like, Paul, good luck to you, buddy. <laughs> Don't call me unless you do your homework. What should I be reading? Like, are there books or podcasts or, you know, uh, like that spreadsheet you made? Is that something I can download from your website? Like, how do I get smarter about this so that I don't screw it up? Obviously, I can become one of your clients, of course, right? But that's if I get off the ground, you're not going to deal with me. Yeah, you can work with me and I'll walk you through it. Yeah, right. I come from a give to get world. I probably have given, I'm going to say it out loud. I've given too much, man. I'm going to tell you right now, mark this date, because I'm redoing all my social media. Everything's going to have a call to action. Everything's going to just turn into, look, either take on that stuff for free or schedule a call with me. There's no in between anymore. My YouTube page is 150. This week, it'll be 154 videos, all free. You don't give me nothing. You don't give me your email. You don't give me a penny. I have had, and my podcast is over 75. I literally have had people, I can show you the messages. I have had people go through my podcast from beginning to end. I've gotten, I have at least two messages in my Facebook messenger. Hi, Jerry, you don't know me. I listen to every single podcast and I implemented what you said. And this is the success I created in my business. And if you sort them, right, if it sort any of them, I got a 13 part series on just selling in healthcare in my podcast. I'm like, if someone put that in order and listen to that and put it into play, I will guarantee at least one extra zero every month, right? And I'm not asking for anything. That is me. I put it out there in the world. And that's what I keep going back to because you know why? Because all I did was read other stuff and then get on a podcast and YouTube and go, this is my take from this. And by the way, right, I've got to mention this. It was do or die in my business. It was go out and network or close. And when it was go out and network time, it was learn how to run a business. So I, I just took all that stuff. I started putting it down, my podcast, my YouTube. Now, as I like to say, there are a lot smarter people out there. I think this day and age versus when I started, I still have my go-tos. You know, the e-myth. I think I still bring up the e-myth and the basic principles in there. And people, right? I'm like, they don't quite align. I'm like, pick that up. You know, get the e-myth. To Sell as Human by Daniel Pink, I think is the best pre-selling book. I don't think you're really going to learn how to sell in there, but it's going to get you in the right mindset of selling is the way. To uh, start with why by Simon Sinek, huge game changer. I mean, I can tell you what happened in my business. Now, start with why. This is interesting. It's not start here, okay, my friends? It's do the work I just said and then read that book, right? Because Simon's not telling you, and I got to meet him and I got to sit in a group, a very small group, and go back and forth for two hours through EO. I mean, that was huge. I still, I'll never forget that day. And so Simon was not there to tell us, you know, marketing sales. So you got to get that down. You got to understand that. Then read Start With Why. One of the most marked up books, dog-eared, highlighted books I go to back to. So, you know, what I say, three or four books there, 
those are really, those are great beginner mind books, maybe, shall we say? I don't want to say beginner books because there's still a lot of stuff in there. And then I just, if you take everything I've read, you get stacked it on one of those, right? I just built on all of those. Now, what I found after 30 years, finally, in this last part of whatever journey I'm on, my biggest value is rereading the same books over, man. And there is, you know, everybody always wants, and I was Scott, give me the next book, give me the next book. The deeper I got, the more I just started rereading the same things, man. I'm going back through um, the experience economy. I literally, so I got that book way too early in my journey. I read like 40 pages and went, no way. I pulled it off the bookshelf and found the old bookmark. I have bookmarks in every single book that I haven't read through. I pulled it back and I looked where I stopped. I've already read past that in one setting, right? So that experience economy is a great book. There's one called The Ends, E-N-D-S Game. The Ends Game. And you know what's scary? <sighs> Again, you gotta go outside of healthcare to read a book and go, this should have been written for healthcare, right? The Ends Game, it's how to sell an outcome, how to understand, right? This outcome selling, this value selling. Well, and it's not a sales book, sorry, mindset. And then I've got, hold on, two more. When Coffee and Kel Compete. That's going to go into my top five ever. That is huge. And that was something I need. I'm just about ready to restart. This whole patient journey I talked about, I was always fixated on their journey within your business, but that's just a small part of the journey. So it's really a great book to talk about really like the ends game and talking about outcomes is how to bring this whole journey, understanding a person's journey outside of your business, right? That's that, by the way, and they break it down. Awesome. That whole, you're not buying the hole, you're buying the uh, whatever goes in the hole and then the picture frames and right. That's a really good book. So I'll leave you guys with all those. I, I think that if you just grab those books, you'd be, you'd be in a pretty good place. In the show notes, we'll link to the YouTube shows and the in your uh, podcast and a couple of these books as well. And so many of the podcasts and YouTubes will be what I learned out of those books and started applying or right, or things I got in there and going, oh my God, this is too good, right? I think the summary of what you're saying is, and this is my words, not yours, unless you agree with it, then you can steal it. But I think, I think that, you know, credentialing and, and certifications and uh, process and good care, those are all commodity. Those are all table stakes. Like those are not the things you should differentiate on. It's really, if you can do those things, then to really stand out, it's experience that makes the difference between the good versus the great. In other words, you can totally fail if you don't get credentialing right or all these other things, but you truly don't win unless you also nail experience. Well, and I would argue, I thought where you were going to go. So you get all your ducks in a row and then someone doesn't get better, but they still refer you a new client. I'm like, that's the journey. That's the experience you created. If your thought process is everything has to be based on treatments and services, then everybody needs to get better and you will fucking lose. That's what I thought you were going with that, Paul, because you must, the experience brings something bigger to the table. And you said table six, it brings something bigger. And all it means is I have a, um, okay, this is interesting. It took me a while to create this. So if you ask someone, what does patient success mean to you? Most clinicians would name one or two things that had completely to do with their diagnosis and their outcome. I've got a 10 point checklist. 
And guess what? It matches up with where they are in their journey with your business. And one of them is they got better. And I'm like, if I'm checking six or seven of these and they didn't get better as in check, what did I do? I decreased the risk, increased the likelihood of a positive review. I have positive reviews of my own old business from people who didn't get better. When I first got that, you could have been speaking Chinese to me. It made absolutely no sense. Thanks for listening to another episode of Strata Stories. Strata is a single EMR platform and revenue cycle management service for physical, occupational, and speech therapy practices that helps you achieve a 99.99% reimbursement rate. If you'd like to learn more about Strata, head over to stratapt.com or email us at hello at stratapt.com.